Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Distribution First. On this week's episode, I am pumped to have Joe Newton on. He is the co-founder of Sway, which is a remote video production studio for B2B SaaS companies. And today we're going to talk all about video, whether that's long form, short form, all the things I want to get Joe's take on this, because I think it's one of the things that I'm seeing slowly pick up. I was looking back at some notebooks a while ago, and I talked about this on another show at one point, but I was at a conference in 2020 right before the whole pandemic thing kicked off. And at the 2020 <laughs> conference for Social Media Marketing World, the theme was video and how video is going to take over. It's going to be this thing. And now we're in 2023, and it still feels like it's such a... Even despite things like TikTok and YouTube shorts and all these things, slowly it still evolving. feels like it's such a slowly evolving thing. So... That might be a good place just to kick off. Like, why do you see it, despite all the tools and how, quote unquote, you know, easy it's gotten and all those things? What's the hang up for whether it's individuals, but then maybe these B2B companies that you work with too? What, what are those big hang ups with video? I think, I think the first thing is, uh, and it's, I, I'm not the one who originally, who originally said this. I think the, the person who, and I had a conversation with Kyle, who's the, uh, works over at Superside. I think they're like video lead or one of their video directors. And he said, you know, while I think there's a lot of things that prevents companies from doing video that are perhaps more technical related, um, I do think there's a, the end of the day, it does just come back down to the fact that people are scared. There's a big fear around getting in front of a camera and, you know, talking like we're doing. It, it, it's, it is just, it's very uncomfortable for a lot of people. It's not a natural thing to do, I don't think, for a lot of people. And so, yeah, I, th I think I think it's really grounded in that. I think maybe a layer down from that is then there's a lot of companies are still holding on to that video has to be, and particularly B2B, right? And I always, I always say that the direct-to-consumer world is a very different story. But I think particularly in B2B, 
we're still holding on to creating video like how we did 20 years ago or 15 years ago. It's still a very like we've it's got to be in person production. It's got to be really fancy. Me and me and my me, me, kind of me and my co-founder we kind of coined this thing that when B2B companies make video, they make them for kind of sexiness and appeal. They don't make them for actually getting consumed and consumption. So I think they would be the two things that I would kind of throw up as the as the problems as the issues of why companies aren't making video. But there's probably some more layers down, but that's that's probably where I'd start. Yeah, I think it's like any of those areas where it's something new that you're trying out too. For a lot of people, it's not, like you said, it's not something they're comfortable with. It definitely was not something I was comfortable with when I started. And, you know, the more that I do it, the better I get. Like there are even pieces of video that I'm still hesitant on. You know, like it's easy for me to sit down, have these conversations and do that. It's a little bit different to write out the scripts and do like, it's a whole nother level to be able to do that type of stuff. For a company who's looking to get started in video, what are some of those one to five things that they can just get started to, to try and like, where do you even begin to have those conversations? I think the most practical way that I explain to get started with a video. So when, you know, when a client comes to us and say, Hey, we want to start rolling out this crazy video plan. We see what you're doing and we, we want to do it. I think the thing, the thing you've got to realize with most companies is while there are I would say some companies now that are taking more of a video first approach, right? I'd look at people like Lavender, yourself, right? As a kind of, as a solo consultant, you know, everything is, I'd say for you is probably video first, where all of your content stems from video. For most, for 99% of companies, they are like written content first, right? All of their content is centered around an article, a blog. It's, it's, that's where all of their content stems from. And so I think trying to get people to, convert to a video first strategy when all they know is written is is quite a hard thing. So I think the way that I initially sell it to clients or the way that I initially get them going is to kind of use video and, and view video as, a, as an amplifier to their written content. So you've, you've got a blog. Okay. How do we turn that into a series of short videos, right? You've got 15 case written case studies on the website. Okay. How can we start to think about using video to amplify those case studies on LinkedIn as short clips, right? Where we're taking, where we're interviewing the people from those, you know, that we had for those case studies. So I think it's initially the way I'm like framing it to clients is like video is an amplifier to your written content. Because I think if you try and almost go off and just try and build this insane video strategy for client, like it's too much, right? It's just, it's not going to stick. There's a lot of companies that have tried to do that. They've tried to stop pumping out creative, cool video, and then they just start podcasting, right? People get five episodes in and then they stop. That's how I think about it. I guess at a high level, I think a format level, I think starting with short form is just the most practical way to start with video, right? So let's go back to the blog example. If you've got, let's say, an article you wrote, you're a cybersecurity company, right? And you've got an article detailing something in the industry, specific, you know, specific to the industry. To you know, turn that, how can we turn that article into a one to two minute clip that we can put on LinkedIn, that we can put on YouTube Shorts? I think Shorts is just the it's the best way, it's the lowest friction way, but it's still you get a lot of value out of doing it. Right. So I think that's that's the kind of two directions I'd go with that with that answer. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. And I, I think one of the things that I see, and it really melds in with the distribution first strategy as well, is like 
like you said, it's amplification. It's the, the reason to repurpose and distribute, which are almost exactly what you're talking about doing in that strategy. The reason to do that, and again, it's not, we're going to take this blog post and now we're going to read it as a video script. No, you have to, you know, you have to redo that thing. You have to find those main points and be able to create something new off of it. But what that does is it really does put that sort of repurposing multiplier, that additional ROI out of that content. And you don't have to start from scratch, right? Like you could go into a company and you could say, hey, or if, if you're listening to this and you you have mainly blog content right now, go to your analytics, find which posts are the most interesting, create that content. We did this one, when I was at Metadata, we had the podcast Demand Gen U, but this is exactly what we did was we took one of the most popular blog posts of the time. It was an SEO blog post about, I want to say it was about hiring Demand Gen folks. It doesn't really matter what it was about, but I think that's what it was about. And then we took that and we turned that into a podcast episode. And then we broke out each one of those questions and cut that into shorter content that people could search for on YouTube. And and then went back and embedded that video content back into the original blog post after it was done. And so it's like, you know, you started with this one little piece of content and, you know, within, I don't know, 30 to 60 days, less than that, probably, to be honest, you, you just amplified that content all the way out. And so I think that's sort of the smart things that you can do with the the video and the repurposing that I would see on my end too. Yeah, and I think and that's a really good point you brought up as well of like we took one one article and we turned it into several different assets and pieces. I think there's a when I say you take one blog and you turn it into a video, it could be a video or it could be a video series, right? So if you've wrote a really in-depth article about a giant topic, it's probably not one video, right? Maybe it's a it's a series of 10 videos of short videos that you can post across LinkedIn and then boom, you've got 10 different videos that you've been able to create off of one piece of content. The reason I advocate for this as, as well, just to be clear about like, you know, turning written content into video is that I think it's it's easier to sell in, it's easier to get buy-in for video when you're boosting already existing activities right? When you turn a blog into a video and you're basically just amplifying and getting more results for that thing that's already working, that leadership already understand, it's then, it's just, it's an easier buy-in. And this is something I think about a lot, like how do you get buy-in for video, which I think a lot of people in the video space don't always think about. They just think about how can we make a really cool creative video. But I, I think about it a lot because I think turning existing written into video, it's just, it's the easiest way to show the value of video inside a company. Oh, totally. It, I mean, I, I remember when I was, you're, you're making me think think back, it's been a while, I mean, several years at this point, but when we were just kicking off some of the YouTube stuff when I was at TechSmith, that's exactly what we did. And, and harken back to the metadata example as well, but like taking our top ranking how-to content and just turning that how-to content into YouTube content. And again, it's that cycle is, especially if you're a B2B company, that is such a valuable strategy that you can tap into. And it's funny, we're, we were talking before the show, like for the people who understand it, it seems like almost like a, a no-brainer, but for the people who don't understand it, so if you're not looking into video, into YouTube and all those things, I'll just quickly kind of do like the elementary version of this, but like the benefit of doing that is those videos show up in search, show up in Google. So like there's been scenarios where 
we created the blog post, had this featured snippet, and then had the number one video placement in in the SERP as well. So however, you know, you just own the page basically in terms of that SERP. And again, it's it's a different strategy than say like, we're going to take this in and create and put that video content out on LinkedIn or YouTube shorts or anything like that. But for B2B companies who spent years creating SEO content, how-to content, listicle content, being able to tap into those reserves and be able to create scripts off of that content, be able to create, you know, videos off of that and then work with a company like you, do it in-house, however you want to do that, but be able to, you know, relatively quickly when you think about the the return on investment in like the start to finish versus a traditional video production scenario, like the return on that is really, really high. Yes, completely agree. So I think one of the other things that I'm curious about is just kind of your take on the state of video in B2B, what you're seeing, where where the landscape's at, what you maybe what you like and what you're seeing trending well, and then maybe some of the, well, we still need to work. We still need, we still need to work here. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's great now. And I know, you know, this, you, you are the repurposing man. So you, so you're like this, but I think, I think we're starting to see a lot more companies now, at least dipping their toes into like video repurposing, right. Where they're, they've got a podcast there. I think that's, I think that's the entry point for a lot of companies that are kind of getting into video, or at least doing it consistently is that kind of, you know, just, just general repurposing, which is great. I think we're also seeing a few companies now that are are kind of pushing on that, leaning on that more of that like entertainment style, you know, and ent- like edutainment is what some people call it, edutainment driven video content, which I love, you know, where it's not just like a delivering information on a topic. It's also taking it from a kind of entertaining angle. Lavender would be, again, I think the best example here of a company that's just smashing out of the park in that. And I... The reason I, I I pull those guys up a lot is because they managed to do that without it costing and you know an arm and a leg, right? I think there's a lot of companies that try and do. I've seen a lot of companies try and go down the entertainment you know lens, and you can tell they spent like thirty grand on one video, or they've spent an insane amount of money on a video. Whereas when you look at what Lavender are doing and Todd especially. They've been able to kind of create a video series playbook where they've got a few different video series running where it's quite low cost. It's quite low budget, but it looks incredible. The content's amazing. It's hilarious. So I I love what they're doing. And I think the general trend of basically creating short form video series is something that we'll, we'll start to see a lot more where basically it's, I, I wouldn't really call it a podcast, but it's just a series based kind of low, low effort thing that you can do on just a weekly basis, usually involving like an SME in the business. A good example, again, I'm going to keep pulling them up, but Lavender, where they do like the sales school every week where Mike, I think it is their head of sales, does a email tear down. Like it's, I think it's called three minute sales school, um, which is great. It's like, I think more of those concepts will start to see where it's just like concepts that you can quickly push out there to test and see if they work. And then maybe you can turn them, you can up level the production eventually. So that's, I think that's a, another general thing was that I think we'll continue to see. One more thing I will just point out on the topic, on the point of trends. And I did a post about this today on LinkedIn, which is UGC. I think UGC now is is at its peak in the direct-to-consumer world. It's 
there's I think every e-commerce startup is is now doing that. And I think it's something that we are going to start to see really come into play in the next kind of 12 to 18 months in B2B where it's like your live reaction videos, right? Customers on a sales call. I think you guys did this at Metadata. I remember seeing an ad where you you took live reactions and you turned it into an ad. I think we'll see a lot more of that. And just, you know, live live customer reactions, customers showing how they're using the product with like a live walkthrough. I think we're going to see a lot more of that like customer-generated, user-generated style come into B2B. And I think particularly on the paid side of things, so using that content and ads is going to become really, really effective. Um, and we'll see a lot more companies tapping into that. So, so yeah, that'd be my general trend forecast for video. So I love that, you know, user-generated content side. How do you go about starting that? Like what if I say, hey, I want to try recording, you know, three UGC pieces of content this quarter to get rolling? Like what would you suggest somebody listening do? I think the easiest one, now obviously this requires customer permission, so I would not be advocating to just record <laughs> customer calls and then just take quotes out without telling them. But that's probably the easiest way in the recording, you know, on your sales calls, recording them, which I think most companies do record their sales calls, you know, Gong and those those types of tools. Recording those calls and then taking like the live customer reactions, I think that's probably the easiest UGC type of content that you can create. And I love that because it's it's raw, it's very real. You know, if it's a great reaction, it makes amazing content, especially for ads. Uh, so I think that's that's probably like the the easiest place to start with UGC, just basically recording recording your sales calls and then pulling out the best quotes and then turning that into cool creative, uh, you know, cool video creative. A layer up from that might then be, hey, you know, we're, we're announcing a new feature. You've got a new feature launch coming up, right? Coming down the pipeline. Let's pick our top three power users, you know, top three power customers, and let's let's give them access to the feature and get them to create a quick, you know, one minute, one minute thirty video sharing why they think this feature is going to be amazing. And this is this all this has to be is just an iPhone video. I'm not talking about some crazy high production video here. To be clear, like it's just a, an iPhone video sharing the feature, why they think this feature is amazing, how it's going to completely change the game for them. And, and this this also could be past features. It doesn't have to be you know a, a feature launch. It could be here's how we're using, here's how this software is is you know solve this use case for us. Whatever, like that. That's the layer up from just recording customer customer calls. But yeah, that's that. I think that's probably the most practical way to do to the UGC as a B two B company. Yeah, love that. I think those are those are really good examples and things. Again, like a lot of the a lot of the stuff I talked about with distribution first is like it's simple planning and thinking ahead. And I think so like for that instance, right? Like it's thinking ahead to say, and I had Joel Klecky on here talking about case studies and it's very similar because that that motion is very similar with UGC is, all right, thinking ahead of what we would want to create, what type of reaction, what type of feature, what type of those things, and then just planning to be able to get that, whether it's like you said, combing through sales calls and then retroactively going back and messaging and making sure you have permission to use those or proactively getting permission from your top customers to say, hey, we're looking to like create some marketing content off of this. Like, would you be willing to shoot X, Y, and Z? And I think you would probably, you know, easily, you know, if you sat down and, and created that list and sent those emails and got those, I, I think you could easily get enough content probably pretty quickly if you, you know, it, when you think about it, it's like... A, especially, 
I mean, especially with like, your, you know, recording like your sales calls, like that's, I think very quickly, you've got four different calls. You've probably got eight different reactions across those calls. Like that's eight different pieces of content that you've got. Plus like a montage where you montage it all together like you guys did. Like it's, you know. Yeah, so it's, yeah. yeah. I, th- I, I think the hardest thing in that is the permission side is like, that's where it can get hairy depending on who that is. Oh yeah. Speaking from experience, it's you think you've got one and then you come back and, oh no, you, you know, we I don't like, so I think there there's some of that that goes back and forth, but I love the idea of doing that. I, I'm I'm trying to think through like, okay, how do how do I start to do that with some of the stuff that I've got going on as well? Because I think it's a super valuable uh, addition to to even just like your standard video process. Well, it's now like it's what is making companies skyrocket in the direct consumer world. And I think a lot what a lot of people the advice a lot of people always give is don't look at what B two B are doing. Look at what you know that world is doing because there are always a few years ahead. Are there any companies that you've been seeing, Joe, that you're like, oh, love this? In either or, or just in, in B2B? I mean, that that you would say, hey, take inspiration from, I mean, from the UGC side, like, oh man, this company, I, I just saw this video, it's really good. <laughs> so there is a company, well, this I'll, I'll give you a direct-to-consumer example first. They're basically making, <laughs> and I, don't, I don't know what the exact, I don't know, I don't know exactly how they're categorizing this, but it's basically sex chocolate is is basically what is 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 what they're making. So it's like chocolate that you eat with your partner. You know, it gets you in the mood. They've basically created super smart. I mean, this was I don't, I don't know if this is an approach you could exactly take, an exact match to match in B two B. But they've basically basically got on contract. I think twelve different uh, UGC creators and just creators, and they've created like twelve different TikTok accounts where they're just getting these creators to just post about their experience with it and then you know just just sharing the process of of how they're using it and it's i can link the company i can't remember the company off the top of my off off the top of my head but i can you know you can link it in the show notes so people can go and check it out um, and i'll send it across but it's so did they create channels that were dedicated just to that then that's interesting yes yes they like created different channels and it was all branded under their company name but they just created different channels for these different creators now Let's switch back over to B2B for a B2B example. One company that I think is is amazing, and it's not, it's it's more of the style of content because it's it's hard to find these people in B2B. But like an an example I'd point to would be Superside. Now they're they're doing it's not really UGC because it's it's kind of I think it's content that they're making internally, but it has that UGC feel, and it's content that like you could see you know customers also making. So I'd I'd point to Superside because a lot of what they're doing is like phenomenal in terms of like the content they're putting out and the video styles they're creating. It's it's very much UGC like, and yeah, I'd, I'd be pointing everyone there to what they're doing. Super smart. Yeah, it's interesting too. Like I think one of the hangups with it, just to go even go back to a, a little layer up with the strategy side because I was thinking through when you said like video first. I think it's a very interesting way to think about content strategies. It's, it's been something I've been seeing more people kind of talk about. It's something I've maybe inherently figured out over the last five years, but it's something that I think companies struggle with, which is a video content strategy separate from a blog content strategy, separate from a podcast content strategy, separate from a case study content. Like, D- depending on the org, like the fractioned and siloed content strategies that get brought up, even in these companies that, you know, I go in and consult with from time to time, it's like, 
Well, no wonder you all are stressed out. Like you're trying to do a thousand different things. And I think that's where, when we're talking about video, when we're talking about podcasts, blogs, tying all those things together, how to make those things work. I think the only way to really make that work cohesively is to do them all as a singular overhead strategy rather than try to do, well, we've got these videos that we're making and they have no tie to anything else we're doing over here. Like you have to be able to tie those things and put those things in together. I don't know. It has to coexist. Yeah. It, it has to coexist. Like I, I, it's such a good point. And we've, me and my co-founder, we talk about this all the time. Like it's, you, you can't look at video as like this individual thing you're doing in isolation over here. Because the minute you do that, it's five videos get created and then, oh my God, we're never doing that again because it was so like complicated. It was so like, what that we spent four months doing this and like, what the hell even happened? So it, it, it has to coexist with, especially video, something as what can be as complex as video, it has to coexist with what you're already doing. Because if you try and go off and make it its own activity in the business and, you know, it, it's just going to make things so much more complicated and it will never get done. It will never get done. So coexisting it with your blog, with your newsletter, with you know your your written content engine just makes things so much easier. Yeah, thousand percent, thousand percent. Otherwise, it's all you're fighting for mindshare. You're fighting for even internally. Like I've been, I've struggled with that when I was on internal teams of like, what all do we have going on? And you know, sales might ask your customer server like, what what do we have like for this and. <laughs> I've seen it at times within companies where two different departments made the same video because you know what I mean? Like they both spent time, marketing made one, customer education made one, maybe customer success made or or support made maybe a slightly different variant. And then they're all speaking to the same thing. It's just like such a waste of time and money and effort. I think before we wrap, obviously I think I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question, but I think what are the channels that, you're seeing video distribution being like the highest ROI because I I think I know the answer in some regard, but I'm not actively using every channel with video right now. So I'm curious like what you're seeing in the space as far as like, I've got these videos, I'm making these videos, short form, long form, whatever that is. Like, how do I best distribute those out to my audience? So an audience level, it's probably, or a who you are as a company, it's going to slightly depend. I think if you're a agency, you're a consultant or a consulting business, I think LinkedIn makes a ton of sense. And it's going to, that that is where you're going to see a ton of ROI because it just lends itself very nicely to it. You know, where you're sharing your expertise, you've got your, you know, kind of thought leadership style clips in whatever way you're packaging those up. So I think LinkedIn, I mean, LinkedIn generally is is a super high ROI channel. I think for everyone, SaaS, you know, you're an agency consulting. I, I think it makes a ton of sense. It's probably top two. Whereas I think if you are a, if you're a B2B SaaS company, I think I'd really, well, LinkedIn, 100%, but I think we're, we're pushing a lot of clients to really heavily double down on YouTube. You know, I think it just makes so much sense. I always say, and I've been saying this for a while now, but YouTube is the sleeping giant, I think, of B2B and B2B SaaS. It's just, it's ridiculously untapped. The great thing about it is you don't even have to start with long form YouTube, right? Which are naturally just more complicated videos to do or mid form YouTube. You can start with shorts, right? You can just start by doing 60 second shorts where you can still rank for those terms and you can still rank for those phrases, but the videos are a lot easier to create. 
So I think LinkedIn and YouTube, 100%. In terms of like, where are we putting, let's say you've got a podcast, let's use that as like the anchor. If you've got a podcast, ideally you're doing it as a video. So I'd be, you know, uploading the full version to, 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 to YouTube. The key thing being that you've got to be wary that when you put a podcast on YouTube, and I think the big mistake a lot of companies make is they don't add any context at the start. They just throw a long 30 minute discussion on YouTube without adding any like 30 second, here's the value of this video. You know, when you watch the best creators, they're really good at hyping it up at the start and giving you a reason to sit down and watch the rest of the video. And that's only for like five to 10 minute videos, right? So if you've got a 35 minute or 40 minute B2B podcast about a quite a niche topic, you probably should also be doing that, right? It's probably more important that you do give it context at the start. So if you are gonna be putting a podcast on YouTube, Make sure that you just spend time maybe after the recording just to say in this conversation, you know, just, this is the value. This is the value of what you're going to get out of listening to this and sitting down here for 40 minutes to listen to this. That's, I think, with retention, that's a really, really big point. So that's the long form piece. In terms of breaking breaking that podcast up and breaking that content up, I think shorts right now, you know, we're, we're seeing pretty incredible results for on YouTube shorts for clients. You know, we're scenarios where we're just posting quite for quite niche B2B. So we have, we've got a, a client called Growblox and we're posting shorts for them. You know, we had one yesterday that had 1.4K views, which for a B2B company, that's, it's pretty incredible. So I think breaking it up, you can put it on shorts for the, for the social clips, YouTube shorts, and then also LinkedIn, right? So that was quite a long with an answer, but I hope that kind of got there. Yeah, no, it it, it did. I, it makes me feel good because that's uh, similar advice that I always give. And I think a playbook that I've used in the past as well. And I think that's the thing too, to understand, like, you know, it's funny you said like, you know, just over a, a thousand views on a short, which, you know, I think I think some of the struggle that I have, or even when I have, when I'm like, when I was internal or or now that I'm like working with other businesses is like, there's no real great benchmark because it's like, well, this creator's got like what? I mean, YouTube, is it a million views that is like great? Is it a thousand? Is it 500? And I think that, that you know, it's all relative in, in sort of those things. And, that, and that's where I like the idea of, and I've talked about this it, uh, on a previous episode with Jess Cook. If you haven't listened to that, go listen to it on the repurposing multiplier. But like, it's just an additional on your baseline. So like if you have a podcast, right? And that podcast got you 50, 50 downloads, you know, that's 50. If you did nothing else with that podcast, you have 50, 50 consumption points, if you will, for that podcast. Whereas if you're doing the LinkedIn, the YouTube, et cetera, breaking those posts out, doing the newsletter based off of it, you can, you know, five, 10, hundred X the impact of that podcast. 100%. And I think because it's, I've, I've seen this benchmarking thing come up actually a lot recently of how, like, you know, you need to kind of understand what's good with views and what's not in B2B. Because if you get, you know, 5,000 views uh, or 10,000 views as a B2B company on YouTube, that is like the equivalent to me of getting a million views as a, you know, wide platform creator, right? Like that's that equivalent. So it's like, I think there's sometimes in B2B we can think, oh, well, that only got a thousand views. It only got 500 views. That's not a lot of people. Well, no, it is because that's, you know, 500 people of your target ICP that have watched that thing. That's really, really powerful, right? And it's also understanding that you just, you're not going to get, unless you're a, you know, high volume SaaS type, type company, you're a sales for, you know, you're doing that kind of play. 
you're not going to get 100k views. That's that's just that's not the game you're playing. So it's just it's understanding that and also realizing that, look, if you are getting, I think, a thousand plus views, downloads, whatever, and it's slightly different because on LinkedIn, you can get like 2000 impressions quite easily or 3000 impressions. That's that's almost a different thing. But, uh, you know, if we're talking about YouTube views and podcast downloads, you know, a thousand plus on an episode or a thousand plus on a video, like you're doing really well. Yeah, and I uh, honestly, even with with uh, LinkedIn, like I've noticed because I post videos all the time. Videos don't do as well on LinkedIn. Like LinkedIn is still kind of, from my perspective, you know, lagging behind on the video side where it's they need to sort the game out. Yeah, it's you know, like you you want us to do video, like you're giving us kind of more options. They did the stories thing for a while, they took it away. So it's like, I think it's all relative in trying to figure out like for that particular thing. And it's funny too, I don't know if you've ever, ever done this on the LinkedIn side, but like I'll go in sometimes and just look at watch time. And so it's really funny, like the watch time scenario. So like a 30 second, a minute clip will have four, five, six hours of watch time. Hours. And it's like, whoa. And so, you know, but the views might be really low, but like that means engagement rate's really high. People are watching, people are watching all the way through. And I think that's maybe to wrap the whole conversation of like the importance of video it goes back to this idea of like when somebody can see your face, listen to you, understand how you talk about things, it makes such a big difference. Like I can even say for me, since starting this podcast, what the impact it's had on my business. And it's not always super clear and and, and easily transparent to say like, you know, this was because I recorded the podcast, but then you get on sales calls or you get on just different calls with different people or, you know, they're calling out the show and saying, oh, you know, I learned this or I learned that. Or I had somebody say, like, I just see your face all over, you know, all over my LinkedIn. And it's like, that's good, right? Like you want, you want people to be able to see your face, to hear your voice, to see what you're doing. And that's where being able to use video and and create those, it, it just helps create that better buy-in with those people. And I think it's super untapped for B2B, barely scratching the surface to be able to say like, how do you separate yourself from X company with X features? Record videos, get your thought leadership out there. I mean, that was something we were so good at at Metadata and when I was at TechSmith is like getting people's faces, voices, opinions out into the marketplace to differentiate because there are a million <laughs> SaaS products out there. We've all seen the graphs. So being able to differentiate yourself is, uh, you know, it's getting harder and harder it's the best differentiator. I think it's it's it is the best when you go heavy on video as a company. It is the best differentiator because it's just it's more unique, right? When you watch a video of someone talk versus when you just read something from a company, it's a completely different experience, right? Particularly when it's like you're leaning on edutainment, right? Like you you you're seeing a company in a completely different way, and you're like you're building a connection as a as a consumer, as a potential you know prospect consumer that you're just not building with any other company in that category. I think, again, I've, I've probably referenced them, what, 11 times in this episode now, but it's I think it's why people have got such an affinity now with Lavender, right? Because you, you just see it on LinkedIn, like people love them because it's just what they're putting out as a company. And a lot of that is, you know, is video first content. It's just, it's so unique. It's got such a different feel to it than basically every other company in that category. So yeah, I think it, it also, and where I'll end it is it allows you to punch above your weight as a company, right? It really allows you to punch above your weight because 
it's again going back to that point it's it's just it's a very easy way to differentiate and if you're smart as a company you can be pushing out quite a lot of volume of video you know versus the giant you know company you know or competitors in your category so yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think using those short form videos we we touched on it earlier but using short form to then sort of inform and validate ideas to then you can take and and go long form and do those different things and again i think that's where it's an underrated thing where it's like hey we did this short it took off like that one you know maybe that one you're talking about for that company what was the topic what was the angle what was the hook and then maybe we have to then go repurpose that into a blog post which can then be repurposed back into a several series of other things and and how you can kind of build on that cycle and, and be able to do that uh, over the long term. So, use shorts to validate, you know, if it works, and then from there you can either up level the production. I think that's one way of thinking about it, or you can turn it into a into a longer form format. Is I think is the best way to approach it. Love it. Well, thanks, Joe, for coming on, man. This has been fun. I, th- I think there's a ton of practical ideas that people can take away. Whether it's the UGC stuff, whether it's starting with shorts, whether it's building up that sort of muscle to repurpose your existing things. I think there's tons of stuff here that folks can take away and be able to use to start cranking their own video. So thanks for coming on, man. Appreciate it. I loved it. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First. And thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are going to help you build your brand, 10x your content and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.